Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to a friend's house instead. It's time to get a gun. That's what I've been thinking. Well, I could afford one. And if I did just a little less drinking, time to put something between me and the sun. Hello and welcome to Slamfire Radio episode 118 for August the 6th, 2015. And I am your host, your one and only, Owen Fluelling, here tonight. And yeah, I am all by myself. It's it's kind of sad. I feel kind of lonely in here. But that's okay. Uh, I'm not actually alone. We're trying a little experiment here uh, this evening. We're doing a live show, and I have a bunch of listeners with me. They're all being very good, very quiet. (laughs) And uh, hopefully we're going to get them on in a bit. First, we're going to start off the show like we usually do. Um, And go right into what we did with guns. Of course, Matthew and Trevor... <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, are shooting SummerSlam. So the upcoming events that we always do where we push push different events, we push SummerSlam, we've been pushing it for months and months. Well, it's actually on the go. So, yeah, if you if you thought you were going to catch it, well, it's too late. time you hear this, it's over. And uh, Matthew is there helping Trevor um, run the match. Trevor's kind of in charge of, of the whole thing. So uh, Matthew's there. They were shooting the last couple days, and... Now they're, they're going to be running the match the next couple days for other people. So uh, I'm sure we will hear lots more about that next week. Uh, as far as myself, I actually shot a, an Ipsic match uh, on Saturday. It's kind of a funny story. <clears throat> we shot, we started in the afternoon. The weather was kind of iffy. You know, I wasn't really sure. It was one of those forecasts where it could go either way. And uh, so we had everything set up. The guy, he first time he'd ever put on a match, one of our, one of our Ipsic members here. And so he put it on, and then he, he did all the setup for it, you know, worked really hard. He designed the stages and uh, all that kind of stuff. And we set everything, he got everything set up just in time. People started showing up, started running stages. We got to, like, the third stage, and you could see the clouds starting to roll in. we were like, oh, no. So we were, like, rushing, trying to get people through the, the, you know, the third stage, thinking, well, at least we'll get everyone through the third stage, and then maybe it'll, you know... We'll get that done. We might have to take a break or something. Well, didn't we got about two shooters from the end, and didn't it pour? And it was one of these rains. It didn't come slow. It it was like you saw the first drop, and then the deluge. The heavens just opened up, and we were uh, we, everything was soaked. Um, so <laughs> along the edge of our of our range, there's these big, huge, tall pine trees. So we're all hiding underneath the pine trees, and there's a little metal building there we use kind of as a safety area and to put stuff out 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 of, out of the weather. And we're all thinking, yeah, this is really smart. You know, we're going to, in a, in a thunderstorm, because you hear the thunder banging and booming and lightning, we're standing beside a metal building under big tall trees. Yeah, we're we're really the smart ones here. So anyway, that was uh, that, was that and we called the match eventually, because it just, it's probably 20 minutes, it, it just pouring rain. We sat around, stood around and talked and stuff, and finally it was like, 
yeah, I think this is going to be it. So we, we packed everything up. And I think a bunch of them, I didn't go, but a bunch of them went the next day, went back because everything was still set up and they just replaced all the targets that got wet and ended up finishing the match. So <clears throat> unfortunately, I didn't do very well because I only got to shoot three stages. <laughs> and when you zero, you know, four out of the uh, seven stages because you don't show up, yeah, you don't do very well. Um, so that's about all I did uh, this week with guns. And so we're going to roll right into upcoming events. Uh, we have Carbine Vitals 2 Clinic coming September 5th and 6th. Um, that's a Saturday, Sunday. There's still some spaces available. If you want to sign up, uh, email us, slamfireradio at gmail.com, and we'll let you know how. There's kind of an, uh, an addendum. This was supposed to be mentioned last week, and we, we forgot to get it in. Um, <clears throat> we've got a bit of a contest running. Two people that had planned to go to this course... Uh, turned out they're unavailable to go to the course now. So what they've done is they've generously donated, each of them have donated their spots to the course um, to, to people who can go. So we're going to run a little contest here over the next few weeks. <clears throat> if you take a cool selfie, I, I almost hesitate to say that. Hopefully it doesn't infringe on my man carriage status or anything. Take a cool selfie with our flyer. You can go to our website and uh, print off our, our Slam Fire Radio uh, flyer. Find a cool spot to take that selfie. You know, it's a gun store or at a you know your club or shooting guns or with a bunch of gunnies or who knows wherever. The the cooler the better. And then send us a picture. Send us that picture, and we will be judging them. The three of us will judge them, uh, not so randomly. Um, it's not a random draw. It will actually be judged in the ones that we think the coolest. The two that we think are the coolest will get each get a spot for the course for free. We're talking, I think it's a $400 for the course. So, I mean, this is, this is not chump change we're talking about. Um, this is, this is a really cool. So it's very generous of the two people that, that have, uh, have already paid for their spot and aren't going to be able to make it. Um, the thing is this needs to be done ASAP. So if you can make it, to this course on September 5th and 6th. Um, go get your camera, get a picture, uh, print that off, uh, and send it to us right away. Because I suspect it will probably just be a couple weeks. We're not going to wait till the, the, the night before to, to make this decision because people need to travel and make plans. So I think we've got about a month, roughly, a month to the course. In a couple weeks, we'll probably make this decision uh, and choose the winners. So, yeah, get right on that. Um, also, the Woodstock Pistol Rifle Club, uh, which is my home club, is selling uh, tickets to a raffle, $10 a ticket. You can send email to WPRC2005 at gmail.com. Proceeds go to uh, going to the construction of our new range facilities to help with IPSC and with just to create a multi-user range. Um, because we just right now, we have a basically single-user range, and if you want to do something other than what the person that's already there is doing, you have to wait. Uh, also, there's a Slam Fire Radio Black Badge course. Uh, this is in Restigouche on August the 22nd and 23rd. Uh, and there's going to be a bunch of different people coming from quite a ways away for this. But they're all listeners. Uh, if you want to get your Black Badge course, it's a pretty good chance if you're in Ontario, you might be able to catch a ride with someone because there's people coming all the way from Ontario for this. If you're in the Maritimes and, and want to come, and there'll be a match, of course. So you can always just shoot the match if you already have your Black Badge. Uh, I think that is all the upcoming events. I don't really have any news topics uh, picked out. Um, 
I think there's been a few things, but I haven't really uh, done too much uh, research on that. So what we're doing this week and what I'm, I'm hoping to do is we're going to um, try to get different people um, that who are listening live right now and uh, get them on maybe... I know we can start at the top of the list. I don't know what uh, how people want to work this and get them on for five or ten minutes just if they have a question or if they want to talk about something. And uh, we'll just kind of roll with, with how it goes. This is this is a live show, so there's going to be lots of mistakes. Um, I want to do as little editing as possible. I'm just like Matthew. <laughs> so the first, uh, first listener who's going to be the first lucky contestant on the show this evening <laughs> is Brian. Welcome to the show, Brian. Very good, thank you. Oh, it's great to have you. This is this is such a weird concept. I even don't even hardly know how to start with this sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about what you did with guns this week. Yeah, I could uh, hop in and say uh, what I've done with guns. I've written into the show before and had stuff read out, but uh, I guess I get to speak at this time. And uh, today I went down to my property, which is uh, about an hour south of where I live. And uh, I brought my Zulu shotgun down there to fire it for the first time, uh, for me anyways. Uh, I made a, up some... A Zulu shotgun? Okay, very explain. Yeah, I it, don't know if I've heard that. Heard of that. Okay, uh, it's a term that's used for... It's an old Enfield musket that's uh, sort of been reworked, like a, if you know what a Snyder Enfield looks like, where it has the uh, breech-loading yeah. capability. Yeah. This takes 12-gauge shotgun shells. It's a uh, oh. smooth bore. Interesting. I've, I've never never heard that before, I guess. Yeah, there's not. Uh, I think I, I uh, looked at it on YouTube, and there might be one or two people that have uh, actually posted videos on that. So okay. I um, made up some uh, brass shot shells. I, I ordered some Magtech shells and uh, made them up uh, last night uh, with uh, some real black powder and some number nine shot in them, and decided to uh, give them a try today, see how well it worked. And I've uh, captured a whole bunch of video while I was down there, and I'll put it up on my YouTube channel, which is. Uh, Right. What I've been doing with a lot of the shooting that I do. Cool. So, you say you load your own for that, and it's all, but it's all black powder. Is that what yeah, you I loaded yeah. up. Uh, I ordered the Magtech shells. Um, I forget where now. Probably somewhere in the states. And uh, yeah, I just loaded them up with uh, some FFG and uh, piled some uh, shot on on top of that with a wad in between. Actually, I used. Uh, Hornet's Nest uh, as a as a wad, which is something I had read somewhere, so I thought, oh, I'll give that a try, since I happened to stumble across a hornet's nest in my uh, in my shed, so I had some of that to use. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, well, that's pretty good. Cool. So is that all you did? That's uh, pretty much all I did with uh, guns, uh, well, this week anyways. <clears throat> very, very cool. Um, what part of the country, if you don't mind me asking, are you located I'm located in the uh, the nation's capital. Oh, so you're in the in the middle. <laughs> in the middle of the thick of it. Middle of the thick of it. Cool. All right. Anything else? <laughs> I think that's uh, about it for me. I, I like to listen more than I like to talk. Sure. All right. Okay. Thanks, Brian, for uh, for that. And uh, Kyle, you are up next. 
I almost feel like I should be saying, you know, you're next on the Price is Right. Come on down. <laughs> long-time listener to the show, I believe. Um, long-time agitator on the show, I just want to say. <laughs> agitator? <laughs> on the Facebook page, anyway, you like to, to comment on stuff. But. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, you want to talk about uh, CZ858. Yeah, just get your thoughts on uh, all the ridiculous prices on the EE for them now. Well, I heard something about that, and I haven't really... I haven't been on there to really look it over too much. But, yeah, there is quite a... From what I understood, quite a price jump. And, and it's this, it makes me wonder, you would think that those prices would be before when they were such a you know you didn't really know which way they were going to go people would be trying to well maybe people wouldn't would be trying to get one but I guess it's like anything now that they're legal again and, and there's I don't think there's any for sale like in in oh. um, alright can't mute me guys <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just muted me. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell just happened?" Um, yeah, yeah well, like, well, there's none for sale, the right? There, I mean, there, there. there's no new ones for sale anywhere, as far no. as I know. So I guess that's the only reason is just the fact that there's there's so many people either trying to get rid of them or trying to swap them so that in case they've got some kind of, you know, they're worried that there's some kind of, red, you know, unofficial registry on them now. Um, or people just trying to make a buck. Let's face it. Yeah. I think they're just the demand for them since there's uh, no retailers with them. Yeah. But they're asking, like, you know, almost double what they paid for them used. Most of them have corrosive ammo through them. Yeah. It's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, why? And why would you? Why would you pay that much for one of those? And I mean, the VZ is still available, as far as I know, and it's not that expensive. Yeah, it's brand new, basically the same price that these are going for. Yeah. Or less. Yeah, yeah, the trait. Yeah, well, I think that'll change because I mean, there's definitely going to be dealers looking to bring these back, you know, bring these in again. And oh, definitely. I think so even uh, Canada Ammo was talking about it already yeah yeah so when that happens that'll that'll settle everybody down <laughs> yeah but no anyways yeah it was I'm good to hear though to i mean i i was quite happy when i heard you know that part of that announcement that that was all you know getting straightened out in the swiss arms and everything is kind of well, quote unquote going back to normal yeah so yeah and i got my note shooting on uh on what day was it? Monday there, the holiday. Mm-hmm. And it was I was a bit rusty with the mag changes and everything, but I got the hang of it again. It was so much fun to shoot. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking to, to to maybe pick up. Not not a. I was looking more at the the VZ fifty eight. Um, but in two two three or yeah in two two three. I want to get in two two three and put the AR magwell adapter on. To kind of go with a non-restricted, uh, non-restricted uh, black gun, but it was either that or the uh, Norinco 97 T97. 
<clears throat> but yeah, I'd, I'd take a NEVZ over a Type 97 any day. I think Things so. I think fun. just the bullpup. I mean, I, I mean, I like. I got nothing against bullpups, but it uh, it is a little bit different. And I've already got the manual of arms, you know, kind of down with my AR. So yeah, especially with the Type 97 too. Just like the way the mag release and everything is set up. Mm-hmm. Like the Tavor is designed way better than that. Yeah. The safety is what's a really killer on the T97. Yeah. And I've, I've got somebody actually working right now to see if it's possible to do a redesign on that safety. Um, and, you know, how hard it would be and if it's the kind of thing we could get a product developed to, to, to change that safety around a little bit. But uh, to make it a little more ergonomic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll also see what uh, what on fourteen dot ca like what they're doing. Mm. With the, uh, the lower there, because they have the flat top upper already. But uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything about the lower in a couple months. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the only other thing too is is it does have kind of a weird setup that way. And by the time you put the flat top upper on it, it's a pricey gun. You know, it's not cheap. Yeah, you might as well get a Tavor. Well, that, almost, not quite, but yeah, it's you're, yeah, you're 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 looking at uh, bigger. It, it's not, it's just not, it's not quite the economical, you know, as economical as as it could be. Yeah, as it was just stock. That's right. That's right. I guess if you were only ever going to shoot irons out of it, then it wouldn't be such a bad, you know, big deal. But most guys want to put optics of some kind on. Yeah, even the irons, aren't they? Uh isn't the front sight like the AK front sight? AKSKSBZ? Uh, yeah, I like think so. I'm not 100 percent sure. Like an AR sight. Yeah, the only the only uh, the only one I've actually handled uh, is a friend of mine, and he but he has a flat top upper on it. It's all changed around, so he's done a whole bunch of work to it. So I, I haven't actually seen one in the stock configuration. Yeah, he's so. probably got. Uh, flip up sights on that too I think he does yeah alright thank you very much Kyle yeah, no problem uh, our next bit we're going to do here is actually from uh, a listener Matt who's just writing in a question since he can't come on and talk because he'll be disturbing other people in the house so um, he's got an interesting question he says I have the opportunity to start a new, be- uh, new beginning sold my house and am, and am in the process of getting a new one in a new part of New Brunswick my question is, in a preparedness mindset, what criteria would you consider in purchasing a home and why? Wow, that's a big topic right there. Um, I would definitely, first of all, look for property outside of an urban area. I mean, that it doesn't need to be in the middle of nowhere, and it doesn't even need to be a lot of property. Uh there's a lot of different um, sectors of preparedness, you know, and mindset that way. And you know, and some people say, oh, I, you know, I want to have a whole lot of land with a whole bunch of forest, and you know, I, I'm, I got to be totally self-sufficient and grow, do everything on my own. And then there's other people that just, they're, they're not really into that kind, that level of self-sufficiency, and they're looking more towards, you know, stockpiling and you know, or whatever. Um, but really, when it gets down to it, 10 acres is really all you need. You don't need 100 acres. 
there's enough crown land and friendly farmers around that if you want to hunt, you know, it's, it's, there's no problem to get permission to hunt on land. Um, really the thing is, is having enough space that if you want to put a garden in or plant a few fruit trees, you know, just have a little bit of space to build some buildings and things like that, just to keep, you know, as well, keep your neighbors kind of right off your doorstep. Um, have a little privacy is nice, but again, you don't need, I mean, here I've got, I've got 40 acres, um, just because that's what the property was, but I really don't utilize it. I, I, I really probably only utilize, uh, three to four acres of it. Maybe, maybe not even that at this point. So yeah, yeah, probably about five acres is probably all I really utilize. Um, and that's for, you know, laying chickens and meat chickens in our gardens and our orchard, you know, and the, and the barn. And, you know, even there, you could work in grazing ground in that for some, for some bigger, larger animals without too much trouble. Um, so you don't need a lot of land away from urban areas is nice. Just based on the facts. I mean, you, you, you watch what happens and these are, of course, are bigger urban areas. You think of, um, St. Louis and, um, Oh, the other place just left me. But anyway, um, the other place I was experiencing riots recently. Um, you know, the things that go on there when there's either race type, you know, uh, uh, race type riots, or if you have some kind of economic issue, or even a natural disaster. You know, um, we're not immune from that here. We we tend to see it less. We're not in a in the tornado, you know, alley, and we're not really subject to earthquakes and hurricanes and all that but but we still do have our you know ice storms in the winter time and things like that and if if something like that were to cause long-term effects we definitely um being a little bit outside of that urban urban area for two reasons one not you're not inundated by a flood of angry you know people who are desperate um people who aren't used to being outside the city aren't going to venture too far outside the city the second thing is government control when you see um, like in new orleans during katrina there were certain sectors that were really cracked down on by government and they really you know kind of try to control those certain areas and they tend to focus on the urban areas so if you can be just outside of that close enough that you can get support if you need it but outside of that so you don't have you know a government confiscating your firearms and um confiscating your supplies you know it's nice to be outside so that yeah i obviously natural sources of water are important having a little bit of forest and wood for fuel sources having some field all of those things are, are good things to to keep in mind i don't really look at it and go oh we should uh you know you gotta have a good place to put a bunker ah that's we're not fighting a war here you know preparedness isn't about fighting fighting a war against the government or something this is this is about survival and so those are the types of things that you need to focus on um if you if you look at the idea of i need to have three ways to get everything that i need and then go from there that's that's probably one of the uh best way to do it yeah hi and welcome to episode 117 <laughs> wait, 118 <laughs> Slamfire Radio, hosted by Owen. People should recognize that voice. Matthew, what are you doing here? 
I I'm not there. I'm here. Oh, my window's open. That truck is really loud. Um, I am uh, getting ready to go to bed because I got a big day tomorrow. I'm here in Dalhousie or Campbellton with Trevor. Um, we're getting ready to put on SummerSlam, which is a level three IPSC match at the Rusty Goose Gun Club. Uh, Trevor and I and some other volunteers who can't shoot the match because they're working the match shot the match yesterday and today. So we shot the pre-match. So how will, you, how will you tell us how you did? How did it go? Oh, I don't want to tell you that. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I started off the match with my usual goal for this year, which was shoot clean. No mics, so no misses and no penalty targets. And halfway through the match, I decided I'm going way too slow. I need to speed up. And so when I sped up, I completely tossed out the whole don't miss. And so I started missing and started hitting <laughs> penalty targets. So my time, so the first the first half of my match, I got lots of points, but not very good times. The second half of the match, I got really good times, but not very many points. So I got to figure out how to get good points and good times. Then we'll be good. Right. The match was really well put on, though. Um, Trevor designed the majority of it, and uh, very challenging, but not overly challenging. And there's there's not too much of any one thing. Um, there are some really long shots. There is some running. There is some stand and deliver. There is some hosing. There is there's a little bit of everything, and it's really really cool. Neat. Yep. That's uh, Matt's, or uh, I should say, Trevor's good at designing stages. I mean, he is really good at that. Yes, he is. He's very good at designing stages. Yeah, that's awesome. Because he's kind of like the the top, the top dude now there, isn't he? He pretty much is, yeah. he. I mean, there, there were some pretty high-profile members that um, have either moved away or, uh, tragically, uh, one of them lost his life in a motorcycle accident a couple of months ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that really, that really pared down the number of people who, that those are the really active people in the pistol section of the club. Yeah. And, you know, Trevor's taking on a lot of that responsibility and, uh, he's doing a really, really good job with it. Well, hopefully he gets some other help up there because yeah, we want, we want him back on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Yeah, no, when we noticed that you were putting on the, uh, and thanks for letting us know, by the way, that you're doing this, because you basically just basically called us up and said, hey, we're doing, I'm doing this, so you guys just leave me alone. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's exactly how it happened. Well, I just figured you guys were, because last week you basically said, oh, this isn't going to happen, where we won't have a show next week, probably. Yeah. So I was yeah, like, but... today I decided maybe I should do something, but I didn't want to monologue because right. that's boring. And so, this is way more interesting. I said, well, maybe this would be interesting. We tried this once before and had, you know, it did decent success with it. So I said, well, yeah. I, we'll see if I can do this again. So anyway, it, it kind of last minute. I just didn't figure you guys would be paying any attention. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go ahead and do whatever I want, says Owen. Yeah, and then whatever cool. those guys do, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you guys go ahead and do whatever you want whenever, you know, even when I am there. So well, the, the, the funny <laughs> The funny thing was, Trevor and I were just going to do a little sit around the camera or sit around the uh, the microphone and just Tim and I talk about SummerSlam. So we would have had two shows. Well, there that would have been. Uh, <laughs> one eighteen and one eighteen B or something. I don't know. But this is much better. As soon as we found out you were doing this, we were, we just we both breathed a sigh of relief because now <laughs> we were able to 
score a bunch of things, organize a bunch of things, print off a bunch of things. We, we, we got a lot done because we didn't have to be here. So it was good. Good, good. Well, I yep. am, I am, I'm happy, I think, to do it. We'll see what happens when I try to edit, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, good. So you're going to bed now? Uh, very soon, yeah. Uh, Trevor's getting ready to read you his, your bedtime story. My bedtime story, yes. It's it's chapter nine of the Ipsic rule book. <laughs> that would put anybody to sleep. <laughs> as long as it's not chapter 10. That's the DQ's chapter, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're past that now, so hopefully you won't need that tomorrow. Yeah, well, if I get disqualified now, something's wrong. Yeah. I'm done shooting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yep. So, very good. Well, I hope you have a good show. I hear you have some AR talk coming up, so I look mm-hmm. forward to listening to this later on whenever I get the show downloaded and probably listen to it on my way home. So, there. to the rest of you out there, hi and goodbye. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week, I guess. Have fun with Owen. Yeah. See you, Matt. See ya. All right. So, next we're going to talk some AR-15 talk um, with uh, Adriel. Yeah, you bet. I mean, this isn't something I can really talk to talk about on my YouTube channel or my website too much because, I don't know, you can't really hunt very much with AR-15s here in Canada. Yeah, that's so right. <laughs> I'll talk about it with you guys. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that um, that, that comes up a, a lot of the time on Reddit uh, is uh, there, there's a Reddit for, for Canada guns, and uh, one of the things that comes up all the time, people get, like, a, a rack-grade AR, and then they start asking what they should do with it, and, uh, and a lot of the time they jump to uh, to some mods that that I, I wouldn't really jump to first. So I was mm. kind of curious about you know maybe like what would what would our, our top five list of things to do to an AR once you get one like just a rack grade off the shelf kind of a thing be? Yeah, that's a that's awesome because yeah, the first thing that people put on is like uh, a an overly long, um, not a foregrip, but a. Yeah, like a four four end grip thingy that drops down into a bipod, and you know <laughs> something with all these kinds of bells and whistles that maybe they yeah. don't really need. Yeah, exactly. AFG and uh, maybe like a little hand stop and yeah. uh, some sort of sling thing off the side. So, what what would you start with to, to if if you got like a rack grade AR? What would be the, the the first thing that you start with? Well, the very first thing I start with is a sling mount, I think, because from my perspective, either doing three gun or just practical range work, especially if you're going to run a pistol as well, what what do you do if you want to draw out your pistol and shoot it? You know, it, you're holding the gun in one hand now and shooting your pistol one handed. It doesn't work very good. So for me, you, you put a you put some way to hang that hang that 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 rifle, whether it's a single point sling or two point sling, however you want to set it up. I think there's value in both. <clears throat> you know yeah absolutely so um you know some three gun clubs like the, the one i shoot at they they allow slinging on the rifle but then the one uh there's there's another place in town here that does three gun and for them uh you can't run slings and, and they just run dump, dump barrels for all of yeah. them so i guess that would be up to you know whatever com- competition you're you're in and that kind of thing right yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. you know um go ahead for for me, I think I think the first thing I would do to a rack grade AR is uh, is swap out the trigger just because 
Um, a lot of them come with uh, a little bit of a rougher trigger on them, and and if you wanted to do um, service rifle or, or something that's a little bit longer range, or even even just to enjoy like a, a better quality trigger, they're they're super cheap to put in ARs. Um, like I've got a an RRA uh, National Match two stage, and I think it's like a hundred and fifty bucks to put in. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that to like a, a trigger pack for a Tavor or something like that, oh my God, you're you're paying yeah. like three four hundred dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So, like we're we're spoiled because we can we can access like excellent triggers for about a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars, and uh, and it makes such a world of difference in in an AR. Yeah, I think um, the I don't know probably. Um, yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick, I I've got my AR pretty much set up. It's it's not real. It's pretty basic. Mm-hmm. But I think the order I'd put um, uh, sling mount, and then uh, some sort of foregrip system. You know, whether it's a you know a short little stubby grip or an AFG, probably a bad lever. I have one of the Troy Industry ones, which I prefer over the Magpul ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, backup sights, because you know, just depending on what you buy, but generally they don't come with any kind of sighting system. Um, and then that was four. What was the last one? Oh, a uh, different charging handle, because I find the charging handles, the standard charging handles, very small and very hard to get a finger on, especially if you're wearing uh, gloves or something like that. Let's face it, it's Canada shooting the winter time. A lot of us do. That's pretty easy to miss. It's easy to miss. I find it. It it's it's just not convenient. Uh, yeah. So a, a bigger something with a bigger lever, uh, or and and often those type have the bar that goes across the back of the charging handle, so you can unlock it with your left hand. So if you're doing, you know, if you're left-handed or you know, so they're mm-hmm. a little bit ambidextrous that way. That yeah, some of those are really essential. nice. Yeah. For for me, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny because you're going through all these different things that that you would use the top five, and I'm looking at my rifle right now, and I don't have like half those things. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't have a I don't have a, a, a stubby grip or anything like that. Right. Uh, I've just got the standard uh, charging handle. What I do have is a as a different grip, and and maybe that's just me, but like my hands are are kind of big, and mm-hmm. um, the A2 grip for me is is a little bit small, so I've got a, a Magpul MOE. Uh, on there, and that's. Well, let's be clear. We should be talking about Hillary Clinton on that last subject because everywhere in the world, oh, Hillary Clinton. Got here. Yeah, I got him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so um so just just being able to like really grab the grip and and, and have it solidly in the hand is uh, is nice for me. So, like I've got a that different grip. I th- I think makes a big difference. I've got one of those uh, bad levers on there. It's kind of nice. Um, it, it um it's it's easier to to lock the bolt back. Um, mm-hmm. You can do it with, uh, I don't know, not having to sw- swap your hands around a bit. So that's oh, make, yeah, it makes malfunction drills so easy, mm-hmm. so much easier. Yeah, I, I swapped out the grip on mine as well for a slightly different reason. It wasn't the size of it per se, mm-hmm. as the angle of it. I find the A2 grip is uh, a little bit more angled than I find comfortable. Now I've got an mm-hmm. NEA, so it tends to be a heavier rifle anyway, with the heavy profile barrel and stuff. Yeah. And so I found doing mag changes, I was having a hard time getting that rifle one-handed because I like you drop that mag and you're going for your next mag. You've got to bring that rifle from standard shooting position up into 
you know, a more vertical position in your in your workspace to do your mag change. And I was having a hard time doing that because of the angle. It just was weird for my wrist. My wrist was kind of tilted, and it wasn't a strong position for my wrist. So I put on a, uh, a UTG. Um, I don't know. It had some tactical name when I bought it. But it it's basically it's a UTG grip. It has, like, the finger grooves in it. But, again, it's a little bigger, a little bulkier, and it's more uh, up and down. Uh, north south on the gun yeah and that made a big difference because my my wrist is is in a more natural position to be strong you know to be locked Mm -hmm. more of a more of a a fist you know if you hold your arm out and you make a fist your your wrist isn't tilted forward or backwards it's you know it's straight the bones are all straight the muscles are all straight and that's more the position that it's in when i'm using it definitely Um, yeah yeah, in in terms of sling mounts, like just for a three gun and that kind of thing, I, I kind of prefer a, a, a two point because uh, it just sucks a little bit closer to uh, sucks the rifle a little bit, a little bit closer to you. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the single point, even even running at the the back of the receiver there, just underneath the buffer tube, um, that single point for me it kind of flip flops around, even if you tuck it underneath an arm kind of a thing. So yes. I don't know. I, I do like like a nice two point sling where you can, where you can really keep it close to you and, and give yourself some room for a pistol. And I mean, I guess I'm looking over my rifle and there's a bunch of stuff that I don't need, like a muzzle brake. I don't really think is yeah. necessary. <laughs> and uh, even the like I've got a, an ACSL for a, a, a stock at the back and I don't think that's necessary. I mean, it's just, it's nicer cause it's got a better cheek weld. I've got an optic on mine and, um, that makes it way easier for me to shoot, at least. Just I've just I've just got like a, a one to four, and uh, the, at, at one power, I I can hammer stuff that's uh, really quick and 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 be really fast about it. Um, and at that four times, I, I have no problem um, ringing stuff out at three hundred. And uh, I, I you know you can do that with a red dot, but uh, it gets a little bit tire, uh, tiring, and it's it's a little bit harder to hit that stuff out there. Um, you know, with a red dot, you're kind of guesstimating your drop on it. Whereas with a, a one to four, if you've got like a, a ballistic reticle on it, you can you can just point out the dot that you need to and, and start hitting stuff at two and three hundred yards really easily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, an optic would definitely be up there for me, um, just because of the speed, the speed of it. And again, I've got a similar setup to you. I think mm-hmm. as far as the sling goes. I kind of have done the best of both worlds. I'm using I'm using kind of a just the regular M. Uh, I think it's I think it's the M2 or the M3 Magpul sling, mm-hmm. and I've got the single point right at the back of the of the lower receiver, and yeah. then I have their their uh, um, rail attachment for another sling mount up on the top of um, the fore, the handguard, so I can switch back and forth depending on. The situation. So, because I prefer shooting from a single hand position, I find mm-hmm. that the single um, point position, I should say, the two two point sling, I find it, it holds it almost too close, and I don't know why. If it's my gear or the way I shoot, I have a hard time getting that gun up and, and being it's, fast with it. So, I like shooting from a single point. But mm-hmm. you're right; it it is if you do have to transition. And you you drop that in, it's banging all over the place and whacking into your leg if you have to move or run or or then you kneel down and your muzzles in the dirt and you know that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, it is hard to run with it. Now your um, for your two point setup is how how far rear is your um, is your rear uh, sling 
uh, connection point because the further rear you get, the, the and maybe this is just me, but I find that that sling gets out of the way and it lets you keep the sling over your back or even over your neck and still keep the rifle like in a shooting position. And then once you're done with it, basically just dump it. And uh, if you've got those sling points uh, towards the rear on the on the rear one and, and kind of high and, and high on the front as well, um, what it does is keep the rifle sideways on you, and it'll, it won't like uh, tilt or hit you right. in the stomach with the handle or the the optic or or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't want to flip over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I've got well the the uh, Magpul sling uh, single point is right at it goes in place of that plate yeah. um, on the buffer tube, um, and then the other one I, I have it fairly far forward, probably because I've got a fourteen and a half inch barrel. It's probably oh nine inches down the barrel i want to say mm-hmm. nine ten inches down the barrel so it's it's fairly far forward um maybe that if i had moved if i moved that back it would be uh, less a little more comfortable to shoot from the two two point position i don't know yeah but your your rear one is is just at the connection between the buffer tube and the, yes. and the lower receiver yeah it's, so not, it's one... not it's not like the top of the cause sometimes you see them on the top of the uh stock right you know they'll yeah. be at the back of the stock or something yeah, like mine's about three inches from the back of my stock, so it's it, it it's not too loose when I when I sling it, but I can still pull it up and uh, and have it around my neck and still be able to shoot it without having to like duck under the the sling or get the sling out of the way. Yep. Thanks. Anyways. Yeah, and and I think I think I think a lot of the, I mean, getting back to accessories on the mm-hmm. rifle, I think I think a lot of the misunderstanding with accessories is what they're for some some stuff is pretty self-explanatory but i especially when it comes to like the the afg or those types of things people put them on and think they're there for stabilization of the rifle or whatever they're really just there as an as an index point yeah you know i i can shoot without the afg no problem um but it is nice for for shooting to know that my hand goes to exactly the same spot every single time you know and there's no you know, I don't have to, you know, my, my grip is the same. Everything's exactly the same. And I even have it, the, the, uh, my sling mount on the front there is mounted in just such a way that my thumb sits just underneath that almost. So I know it's exactly the same every time. If I can feel that sling mount with my finger, it's right mm-hmm. there. I also have a flashlight mounted on mine. And the, again, the flashlight's right there. So my, so I know that my hand's going to go to a spot that all I have to do is move my thumb and there's the button on the flashlight. You know, it, it, so it really gives me a very consistent um, shooting position every single time I pick up the rifle. You know, yeah, with, let's face it, with, with shooting, that's half the battle is just being consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, I think that's five. Did I say five? You, you definitely got five. I think I got five in. Yeah, I think I got five in. So cool. I, I just thought I was going to comment on the trigger because I'm, I'm not a huge, like, trigger person. I don't know why. I, you know, Trevor's always messing around with triggers and in his Glocks and around his, you know, all his guns. But I'm not. I'm not that way. Um, I I really don't care. I just uh, whatever comes in the gun is usually good enough for me. At least mm-hmm. on my ARs, I, I feel like mil spec trigger is is good enough. Now I did put I when I one of the ARs I built I put a, I think it was a CCMG CMMG. A trigger kit in it, yep. which I don't think is a real high-end trigger kit, um, but 
it was nicer than the NEA ones. So yeah, whatever. yeah, a lot of it's just trying to beat the the rack grade, right? Just trying to yeah to do just a little bit better. Yeah. So. I mean, have have you seen the uh, the new Mossberg Blazes? I think you guys talked about the Blaze Forty Seven. Mm, no, I haven't. So I, um, I I picked one up to review, and they're hilarious because um, they're like a really big departure from uh, from how like polymer rifles have been done in the past. Because they've got uh, they're like a clamshell design. They've got uh, like two halves that are screwed together, and uh, and that's how the gun is like kept together. It's got sixteen screws on one side that hold the two halves together. And uh, and the barreled action is just, is just kind of like sitting in there, and polymer receiver, the whole kit and caboodle. It is one of the weird twenty twos that I've seen. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, right now they're they're two hundred bucks, um, which I think is way too much because you can get a, a seven ninety five for one fifty, or uh, or you know even uh, add a little bit of money and you can get to a ten twenty two or something like that. Mm. But just from the construction, you can see that. Um, these things are going to be way cheaper down the line because it's it's all plastic. It's it's like a super soaker that the, the way that things put together. It's crazy. Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing. I, it's unfortunate. I, I don't like those kinds of guns that feel like feel like toys. But you you know why they do it. You know the why the company does it because they can crank them out and you know get them on get them on the uh, through an assembly line and get them onto market. Oh yeah, I think you know they're they're going to be able to get this thing down to I think even even selling for like a hundred bucks a pop, which would be, hmm. um, yeah, I mean that's that's uh, that's low priced and and uh, I think they're going to be able to get there. It's just it is it is like a pretty big departure from how guns are are made. Like not that they're made that robustly now, but um, it just kind of remind me there is um, there's an article I read on uh, on it was on Chuck Hawks like. Ten years ago, and, and this was back when um, when they were bringing in the, the Tikas with uh, with synthetic stocks, and he the, the the guy was talking about how you know synthetics kind of crappy, and really you need like a, a really good high high quality wood stock. And you look now, and all the hunting rifles are pretty much coming with uh, with with polymer stocks of one one flavor or another. So mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if this is just moving more towards you know firearms that are you know priced so low that they're practically disposable but uh it's a really interesting step in it uh, nonetheless yeah well you see these progressions in firearms uh, well in in all industries really but in the firearms industry um you, you look back and you go oh yeah this was kind of an unusual thing at the time and then but it was a good idea and then more companies started going with it's sort of like polymer pistols would have been yeah, unheard exactly. of at one time yeah. and then you know glock did it and then smith and wesson did it and the next thing you know Everybody's doing it, and that's all you ever really see is polymer pistols. Almost, um, you know. Eventually, there'll be something else that'll someone will come up with a good idea. And there's probably been a few good, few ideas along the ways that came out and tried it, and it didn't work, and so they scrapped it. And but uh, I was yeah, just I, I was commenting to someone the other day about that about wood on rifles and how it's kind of like cars. At one time, you had to special order, you know, the automatics because the sta- you know standard a manual transmission was that's what everyone had. That's that's what the norm mm-hmm. was. Well, now it's the other way around. You almost have to special order a standard, you know, a manual transmission as opposed because everything's automatic. And it's yeah, almost exactly. the same now. Your your everyday rifles that you would see on the gun rack are polymer 
um, uh, stocks. And if you want the fancy wood one, you have to order it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, the the kind of I think that one of the nicer things about um, where the where the industry is at right now is that if that's your thing, if if you prefer the wood, the, the look of a wood stock and uh, not like a, a fine wood stock, like a, a really nice, exp- like an expensive walnut mm-hmm. or anything like that. But if you like the like, if you like the look of wood, um, you can get a Boyd stock for like a hundred bucks and really dress up any any rifle out there. You can get an Axis and then go and slap on a, a Boyd stock, and it looks yep. way better if 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 that's what you're looking for, kind of thing. And, and it doesn't cost that much. Yeah, it looks a lot more expensive. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Yeah, do that just before you sell it, right? Put on a nice stock and then and then try selling it for $100 more. Exactly, more. exactly. Well, it must shoot better because it has this, uh, you know, other stock. So. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if, Oftentimes without they do. the stock, it, it it's really hard to tell apart all those bolt-action rifles. Like yeah. uh, an Axis from uh, even like an X-Bolt is, you know, to a layperson, someone that doesn't know what they're looking to, for is, is those two rifles look really similar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, throw a nice stock on and it's a lot better. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, I just wanted to bring that up cuz um, I know that they're they're pretty new. I I've just found one in stock here in Canada, so I picked it up just so I could pull it apart and review it and do a video on it and all that kind of stuff and uh, it's hilarious. It's so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh it will be interesting to see how it lasts. That's what the, the only big thing I question about some of those. those oh, it can't. It's yeah. like it's got sixteen. What, what happens if you strip out a screw? It's in plastic, uh, yeah. so <laughs> you're you're screwed. Uh, yeah. That screw is now stripped. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, you've got more, but it's yeah. It's a it's a clamshell design. It just it clamps together in the middle there. So, yeah. Um, any old stripped screw, I guess you could fix it with some epoxy or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if I'll have it around for the winter, but uh, but if I do, I'm, like we get really cold winters here in, yeah. in northern Alberta. So um, if I've still got it for winter, I'm going to take it out on one of these like minus 30 days and see if it's <laughs> Drop it on the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it, it's like so many other things. They probably build it in such a way, and, and their, their thinking is, well, if it breaks, they'll just throw it away and buy another rifle. Because it's only, you know, eventually, you're like you say, the cost could get down to the point where it's it's 100 bucks. I mean, I can fill my truck for, like, every week I put 100 bucks worth of gas in my truck just to fill it once. You know, 100 bucks isn't much money anymore. Yeah, well, and, and so think about this, you know... Um a lot of a lot of parents when they when they start their kids off they'll start them off with like a, a Daisy Red Rider rifle or like a a BB gun or something like that right mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe for those older kids who are you know showing more of an interest in the sport now you can start them at a hundred bucks it's a crappy rifle but it's you know it's for a kid anyway so who cares yeah. why why get them some like nice fine wine. Yeah. Uh, rifle <laughs> when uh, when they're just going to shoot cans with it and stuff like that and beat exactly. it up and get it destroyed in the bush and lose it or something like that. So I mean, you might as well start them off with uh, with something that's inexpensive, something that's you know a little bit more weatherproof, I guess, since it's got fewer metal parts in it and um, something that isn't going to break the bank at all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right, and now joining us is the illustrious 10X. As many of our listeners, most of our listeners should be familiar with him now. Welcome to the show again. Oh, and maybe he can't hear me. Hello? 
There you are. Yes. Um, sorry, I haven't used this headset for a while, so the microphone had been switched off. <laughs> no problem. Just thinking there on plastic stocks, plastic guns, and things of that nature. Uh, wasn't that done with the Remington Nylon 66 quite a few years ago? Uh, yes, it could have been. I'm not familiar with that rifle myself, so... Um, interesting little rifle. Some of them were made right here in Canada and in Ontario, not a thousand miles away from where I live at the minute in Coburg, Ontario. Um, plastic stock, plastic receiver with a metal bolt, metal barrel. So, uh, I guess everything old is new again. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's true. Sometimes one company will, uh, try something and then have it not work for them and another company will go, Hey, let's revisit it. We can do this better. <laughs> Yeah. So you're on your own tonight, then, big man. I am on my own here. It's it's, uh, it's this is this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's been good though. I we've we've had, covered a lot of different topics, and uh, it's going to be a bit of a, a editing nightmare to go through and cut out all the little bits of silence and the transition from one person to another. But uh, I, think, well, I think it'll work. That's what audacity's for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, what have you been up to with guns up in uh, your area? Anything exciting? I have to admit very, very little. Um, work's been a bit intense recently, and um, between that and trying to make the best of the cottage, the range has kind of missed out. Mm. Yep, I did pass by uh, one of my favorite gun stores today, Accuracy Plus, up in Peterborough. Great, great place. Okay. Yeah, dro drove by it. <laughs> Give our friendly wave, honk to horn, and yeah. passed on by because uh, yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, you know what times like. You know what families are like. I think the next thing I'm probably going to do with guns will be when we take off to the states at the end of the month. Nine um, X has got his heart set on running some full auto stuff. We will be in the Orlando area, and he'll probably be doing some of that. Fun. Always. Yeah, that's, that that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So how about yourself? Uh, as far as guns, well, you can catch that at the beginning of the show. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're joining us a little bit late here uh, here tonight, but that's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Once we got down, unpacked from getting from the cottage, all that sort of stuff, you know where time goes. Yeah, oh, exactly. I guess. Did you cover any of the announcements about Bill C-42? Uh, nothing in too much detail. Um, we'll probably talk a little more about that maybe next week when everybody's on. Unfortunately, what can you do? Yeah. I was looking at... It's one of those things. I don't know where you stand on Red Dot Optics. Um, but, you know, there is a little bit of a price difference between here and the States. And... Uh, thoughts were running through my head on maybe bringing something back um, one of the issues is that um, I look at some of the more affordable red dots like the Vortex Spark 2 and sometimes feel that with the controls on the side it does cover an awful lot of what you're looking at yeah yeah I, I've never had a problem with it but with, but maybe I've got wide head or something I don't know 
that's one of the things there. That there's nowhere to rent to try, and um, sometimes <clears throat> you're lucky you find somebody at the range who has something like that. What I would really like is uh, a Neotech, but uh, they're getting up there in price now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're still cheaper than aim points, I think. Absolutely, they are. Um, the aim points are absolutely nice. Um, but they are a lot of coin. There's pros and cons between the two of them. The aim points are pretty much indestructible. Drive trucks over them, all sorts of things of that nature. Uh, you can still get the Eotex. You run them on double A's, double A batteries. You can find them pretty much everywhere. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah. But with the, ba- with the battery life on an on an aim point, you don't even om- you almost don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> What is it, 12,000 hours, something oh, of that nature? It's, I think it's more than that. I mean, it probably depends on which, which model you get as well. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're just unbelievable, the battery life on them. You pretty much just turn them on and leave them on. Mm-hmm. Whenever somebody like Larry Vickers endorses the Endpoint Micro T1s, you, you kind of think, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to this guy. He may know what he's talking about. Exactly. But, yeah, just the whole holographic site on the EOTX, it's always intrigued me. I like that big field of view, mm-hmm. but I wish my pockets were deeper. <laughs> That's always the problem. <laughs> uh, it's part of being Scottish, Owen. You know, short arms, long pockets, what can yeah. you do? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Absolutely. All right, very good. Thank you. Yeah, you're most welcome. Okay, so we have another question here uh, on the uh, chat that's been typed in. Someone shy, I think, says, uh, Hi, I'm after my first striker-fired pistol, $600 budget. Any suggestions? That is, yeah, you're kind of right in that budget range where, uh, you know, something like a Glock 17 is just over it, unless you can find maybe a good used one. Um, sometimes you can find uh, good used Glocks for, you know, for five hundred or six hundred dollars somewhere in there. Um, the MMPs are great uh, as far as quality, though their triggers are a little bit iffy. MMP9, and uh, but they can get the range kits, brand new. I think right around six hundred dollars, and that give you a you know holster and, and a couple mags. Uh, a couple of mag holders. I think three mags come with them. Two or three, I forget. Um, the speed loaders that come with them, you can just throw them away. They're not much good, <laughs> but they will they will get you by in a pinch. Um, but yeah, the MMPs are are definitely definitely worth checking out. The uh, the FNS. So the FNS um, pistol in nine millimeter. I got to handle that. Um, couple weeks ago now I guess went up at the charity shoot and it was it was a nice gun and I picked it up and I was like huh I could consider switching from a Glock to this just the way the angle was of the grip and the feel of it the the sights that just everything about it I I was really impressed and I'm not 100% sure what he paid for that but I'm pretty sure it was less than $600 maybe less than $500 not 100% sure on that but it was definitely in your, in your budget range. <clears throat> um, and then you have a, a follow-up question. You know, Do you think I should wait until after September for my first restricted? I 
um, I don't think there's anything in um, the new the Bill C-42 that's going to affect um, buying a restricted. Um, if you've got your RPAL now, you know, uh, depending on where you live, they may um, make you get an ATT now where they wouldn't, but then later it's just your ATT is just not going to be, you know, it's just going to be a piece of paper. Uh, my understanding, and it's all going to be rolled right into you, to your to your RPAL. So I don't think it really makes a big difference. Um, there's not anything huge there. It's just a piece of paper that you'll get or won't get. That's that's really the only difference. Um, and as 10X has pointed out, many ranges in Ontario still require the, the the handgun safety course. But it depends on where in the country you live and stuff as to you know whether that's going to be necessary for you um that'll that'll be over and above i think um anything that happens on september 2nd so you'd have to take that do that now or or, or even later the other pistol that's a lot of people look at um is the ruger sr9 and that's i know matthew has a lot of experience with that shot that for years and it's again, it's a it, they're getting up there in price because they're so popular and they're becoming more and more popular. So, um, you know, the prices I think is are rising, but but they're still an economical pistol and they're still a great pistol. So, that's another one, another one to look at, for sure. Thank you everybody for participating. This was uh, a lot of fun. I would like to do this again, maybe with all you know, with Matt and Trevor on to get the three of us going and i think this could be could be pretty pretty good uh, i think it makes for interesting shows when we can get everybody kind of interacting back and forth like this it is a little bit con more confusing for people who listen later because they're not in on the uh you know some of the group chat that's going on on the side but um but i think it's kind of interesting to, to interact live with with listeners so uh, thank you very much for that so we're not going to do any listener feedback this week just because uh, we've had a pretty good discussion with everyone here and uh, I'm going to save all that email for next week. So if you send an email, um, don't worry, we will get to it. It will just be be uh, next week. And uh, if you do want to send email to the show, you can check it out at slamfireradio at gmail.com and send on um, news stories or questions uh, or comments or make fun of Trevor especially send in pictures of ARs with wood on them. Trevor loves that. That's that's like his big thing. So if you can do that, he would be very grateful. Basically, a big shout-out as far as shout-outs. Huge shout-out to everyone who joined in tonight and made this possible. If none of you people had shown up, yeah, this would have been a lot more boring. Well, not more boring. It would have been boring. This was actually pretty good. I'm I'm... I'm pretty excited about this because just listening to me talk for an hour and a half would really have uh, would really have been boring. Also, check out the Crusader Podcast Network at crusaderpodcast.com and join any or all of our national firearms associations. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We've got a forum over there. And uh, like us on Facebook as well. We're at 1,251 likes. Two thumbs up. We're still at two thumbs up. Um... So hopefully we can add to our two thumbs up or to add to our thumbs up counting uh, category. <laughs> um, with that, I think that's all for the show this week. Thank you for listening. Hug your guns. 
take someone shooting. Trevor's not Ron Burgundy. And I'm out for tonight. Goodbye, everybody. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. All right, and next up, next up we have... I have sound issues. I hear nothing. You hear nothing. That's not good because we hear you. (laughs) Everyone should recognize this voice. Actually, I see the inside of somebody's truck. Why do I see the inside of somebody's truck? That's just weird. You know you're live now, right? (laughs) Welcome, Matthew. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be on here. And he can't hear me, so this is not funny for him at all. So is just nobody talking, or can you? Can I just not hear anybody? I cannot hear you, Slam Fire. Oh wait, you're on. I own, but I can't hear you. Can you hear me? You can't hear me. I can hear you. Oh, you can hear me. Hi guys, how's everybody doing tonight? How many fingers am I holding up? That's just <laughs> one, if I remember correctly. But no, I don't see any fingers. I, I see nothing and I hear nothing. So, but now it's a monologue, I guess. Seth yeah, that's okay. Owen's probably talking too. So we're talking over each other. So I'll stop until he, I can hear him. People are used to you talking over me. You know, that's that's pretty normal. <laughs> but this really isn't going to work very well if he can't hear. So.